Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the third day of September 2022. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and I'm going to start off tonight by suggesting there really is a theme to the news this week. And I really think it's going to become increasingly obvious as I go through some of these stories. There's an order here, so stay with me and see if it doesn't kind of make sense. First off, we'll start with the mundane, or at least what's become mundane. Yet another food processing plant went up in flames over the weekend. Add this poultry business in California, says the piece from Tyler Durden and Zero Hedge, to the growing list of U.S. food plants that have been eh, knocked offline one way or the other. I guess we could say by hook or by crooks in the past year due to what are called accidental fires. This time it's the QC Poultry Processing Plant in Montebello, California, just east of L.A. And if you've already lost track, folks, after the first few dozen at this point, just remember, keep repeating it along with the waste stream, they're all accidental, even if that's a statistically unbelievable anomaly. Like, we've already had four or five times more such fires this year than all the previous five years combined. So here's a story that's definitely, no question about it, not an accident. The Biden regime recently sent, what else, armed federal agents to Miller's Organic Farm in Amish country, Pennsylvania, and demanded Achtung the farm cease operations immediately. The authorities also fined the small family-owned farm 300 grand, which basically puts them out of business. It's located in the remote Amish village of Burdenhand, Pennsylvania, been around for 30 years, and it supplies, uh-oh, this is what you're not allowed to have, grass-fed beef and cheese, raw milk and organic eggs, and even dairy from grass-fed water buffalo, as well as all types of produce, to about 4,000 private food club members who pay for high-quality, whole, organic food. Says the farm owner, Amos Miller, he's preparing food the way God intended. But as you know, Big Brother's not about to allow that. Food Club, says the story from Natural News, value their freedom. And people like being supplied with food from an independent farmer that does not process meat and dairy at the United States Department of Octung facilities. Miller says he does it because he believes the requirements make the food less nutritious. And guess what? Miller's used religious exemptions in the past, and you can see what's being done to those, can't you? Once upon a time protected by the First Amendment and explicitly allowed by law to the Amish in order to maintain their traditional standard of life. Miller doesn't use gasoline or fertilizer either, which makes them unaffected by the Ukraine war and the sanctions that have been imposed upon the West as a result of the shoot yourself in the foot and then reload idiocy. Says one of the reports out of the area, federal agents have raided the all-natural Amish organic farm, shut it down, find it out of existence. A thousand local residents are now going to have to find another food source. And here's the irony, not like we haven't seen this coming and seen it over and over again, too. While it's the same government that doesn't want Americans fed, they're more than willing to send 50 billion American fiat bucks to Ukraine. And don't even ask what happens, folks, if or when they succeed in inciting the inevitable attack. And not only has U.S. military readiness been destroyed by the poison poke, but they got no weapons left either. So Tucker Carlson reporting on the story. We wouldn't even know about this because the effort was hidden by Big Brother and Waystream Media if it wasn't for Jeremy Lafredo, a reporter for Rebel News USA, who told Carlson, by taking out the middleman, by taking out the government, you're taking power away and taking leverage away from the government and putting that power and leverage in the hands of the local community, the farmers and the people. And, and if you haven't figured it out yet, this is the message that's being sent. 
as to what that will get you. And remember, it's not just the tyrannical U.S. that wants people starved. Dutch farmers in the Netherlands are realizing they, too, are an endangered species. Dutch police recently arrested over 100 people, says the story, in retaliation for demonstrations resisting their communist green agenda. That's really kind of like a watermelon. Green on the outside, red is all get out on the inside. That is intended to cause farmers to lose their livelihoods. The Green Deal now mandates Dutch farmers cut their nitrogen emissions between half and 95%, depending upon where they have the misfortune to be located. And the only way to do that, of course, is shut down their farms and kill off their cattle. i got to ask it again. Is an 87,000-strong new IRS standing army starting to make more and more sense? Here's a quick story next out of another neo-communist hellhole. I guess your host can't help but think the connection is kind of obvious. The Equality Division, how's that for a laugher? Out of the Supreme Court in South Africa has ruled that the popular song Kill the Boars is not, repeat not, anything associated with hate speech. Although the hateful song says Remax News, courtesy of Zero Hedge, which celebrates the killing of white Dutch settlers in South Africa, is protected. That's one of the very few things I guess it actually is by freedom of expression and must be left. And that's the key word to the political debate within society says the court. And this, of course, in case you've forgotten, is the song that says, shoot the boars, shoot, shoot, among other things. What do you bet that if it was shoot any other ethnic group that was a little bit, say, off-white, it would be verboten in the max? And hey, folks, don't you just love how inclusive these communist regimes are turning out to be? On into the consequences of making war on just about everybody. This one comes courtesy of OilPrice.com and Charles Kennedy, also Zero Hedge, Natural News, and hopefully others. The world's biggest energy company, Gazprom in Russia, has officially halted gas supplies to Europe via the Nord Stream 1 pipeline, cutting off flows to Germany completely for a, <laughs> supposedly anyway, period of maintenance. It began at 0100 GMT Wednesday and is scheduled to end, maybe, on Saturday. But fears are mounting across the European Union, says the story, that Russia will delay flows beyond September the 3rd as the Kremlin continues to respond to the weapon of Western sanctions with the weapon of depriving people of what they sell, like natural gas. An allegation that the story says Moscow has repeatedly denied. They're saying the cutoff will be temporary as planned, noting the pipeline would restart after about three days, provided, quote, no malfunctions are identified. But even when it does start back up, it'll only be at 20% of the pipeline's capacity. In a related story, effective immediately, says Natural News' coverage, Gazprom is massively reducing natural gas flows to France, a move that the French Prime Minister warns <laughs> will almost certainly lead to fuel rationing this winter. It's what socialists do. And French authorities warn cutting usage just might not be enough to keep the power on this winter. Far-left French President Emmanuel Macron has already made his own ominous warning that the end of abundance has now arrived for France. Some of his folks warned years ago that it arrived when freedom departed. And while we're on the subject of the end of abundance and freedom departing, the strategic reserves in the once-free United States have now fallen to a 37-year low as the senile imposter in the White House continues to release millions of barrels of oil, putting them up for sale, with most of it going overseas, including to communist China. According to the latest report from the Department of Energy via Natural News, the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve, no longer strategic and pretty much no longer with any reserves, has fallen to just over 453 million barrels 
barrels as of August 19th, the lowest since 1985. And stockpiles, they note, have fallen by more than 180 million barrels this year alone as the Biden regime has ordered the release of record amounts of crude oil, supposedly to cure sky-high fuel prices. But really, folks, it's about depleting the emergency reserves because they know what they've got planned coming real soon. And if you can't take the hints that have already been dropped from places like France and Germany, you're probably going to be uh, stuck at home in the cold once the snow starts to fly. And I guess since we're kind of on the subject of warnings from the communist EU, this one's appropriate. Even as the people of Germany, says Paul Joseph Watson for his summit news, struggle with a serious cost of living crisis and, of course, the upcoming really cold winter, they're being told by a Green Party minister that, oh, they need a new tax on meat, too, because you folks are supposed to eat bugs, don't you know? Given that Germans are already facing soaring food inflation and energy bills as a result of gas shortages caused by the planned provocation in Ukraine, the last thing they need, he suggests, is another tax to pay. But that doesn't bother Federal Minister of Food and Agriculture Shem Ozdemir of the Green Party, who complained that people are eating the wrong food. And he wants them to eat less meat, and he's prepared to make sure they can't afford to anyway. We need to be, quote, adapting meat consumption to planetary boundaries and for the sake of our health. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, sure. It's healthier, good for the climate and helps the global food situation because areas get freed up that we previously needed for cultivating animal feed, unquote. And he vowed that too much cheap meat was being produced, and that's now coming to an end, along with the rest of German freedom and the ability to heat their homes and take warm showers. All right, time to ask the question I set up in the first few seconds of the show today. Are you starting to see a theme emerging here yet? Well, here's a clue, a piece from Stefan Stanford at the All News Pipeline entitled... The global communists are using energy to ensure maximum death through a weaponized energy crisis to maximize our winter of great suffering. And I guess I have to say, okay, gee, isn't that pretty well already obvious? And he ties together some stories I did earlier in the week to boot about people in Poland waiting in line in their cars for days trying to get some coal to survive the coming winter. At least they know what's coming. Here's a story from Jordan Schachtel at the dossier entitled Black Hole. As billions and billions and billions of fiat bucks worth of American arms and aid enter Ukraine, U.S. officials are receiving, I hope you're sitting down, folks, handwritten receipts. It's all paper, and doesn't that make it a bit harder to track? And isn't that convenient? Ukraine, he begins, is consistently ranked as one of the most corrupt governments in all of Europe. <laughs> think about that. Given that reality, he says it might not come as much of a surprise that Kiev has no functioning mechanism to track the massive amount of inflows of American weapons, ammunition, and aid into the country. And with tens of billions of dollars already flowing to Ukraine and untold billions in military equipment being shipped across the border, when U.S. arms and aid enter Ukraine, it seems to enter a black hole. Given the notorious corruption there, maybe, if you followed the lead-up to the election theft, folks, you knew this was coming, maybe that's all by design. Where do all those weapons, ammunition, and aid end up? Anyway, well, nobody knows. Not even the Inspector General, who's supposed to be the American watchdog on this effort. In a Bloomberg article from over the weekend entitled, Torrent of Cash for Ukraine Arms, puts Pentagon watchdog on alert, an amazing bombshell came out via a quote in the story that seems to apply something opposite the piece's theme of accountability. The Pentagon official, Inspector General Sean O'Donnell, is quoted as saying that Ukrainian officials do their accounting of American equipment and aid with, quote, hand receipts. It's all paper. And he noted that he doesn't think they have, quote, much fidelity as to where all of these arms and ammo end up. 
And here some folks maybe thought that Afghanistan was a horrible embarrassment, a debacle, and a lesson. No, it was a dress rehearsal. The author, in his conclusion, puts succinctly what your host has been suggesting, literally for months, if not years at this point, has been hard to deny. This news comes amid reports that active-duty American service members are being relinquished of vital munitions, including high-tech weapons that are not easily replaced, so that these arms and ammunition can be sent to Ukraine. Ignoring the troublesome supply chain issues, Secretary of Defense, sick, the traitorous, and I put that word in there, Lloyd Austin, has insisted upon draining American military stockpiles by a very significant percentage of overall inventory, rendering the U.S. military in a more vulnerable position. And right, folks, as they're poking the bear and the dragon. Isn't that amazing? The American military, he continues, is being comprehensively disarmed to prop up the Biden administration's proxy war in Ukraine, down to the last Ukrainian soldier against Russia, and in the process of their pursuit of this skirmish, arguably the opening salvos in World War III, billions of dollars in weapons and aid are moving into a country with zero accounting mechanisms and, of course, zero transparency. As for your host, though, I can't help but close this one with a question. What do you bet that Hunter, anyway, on behalf of the big guy, has a better idea where all of this is going than the IG? One of the places your host can't help but think and hope and pray that it's ultimately going anyway was revealed in the movie Network by the mad prophet of the airways character, Howard Beale. Remember this? I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. My life has value. And as it turns out, he wants everyone to go to the window and yell something. Remember? I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Well, sadly, folks, we're not there yet. And it does beg the question, for crying out loud, what's it going to take? But we've certainly seen more than enough indications of that. There are some pockets of hope, however, emerging even in unlikely areas. Here's one from Roy Green via Natural News about a boutique in an upscale neighborhood in, get this, Los Angeles has decided to take a proactive stance to protect its staff and store assets from mask-wearing criminals where Fraser Ross, owner of the Kitson chain of stores, hung signs at his Beverly Grove branch that read, Due to the safety of our staff and the assets of the store, we do not allow the wearing of face masks. And he explained that they prioritize the safety of their staff and customers and have noticed a, quote, disturbing trend of individuals wearing masks to avoid identification in various situations, including, but not limited to, shoplifting, verbal harassment, and physical assault. The story references the recent gang looting of a Northern California Nordstrom's, where about 80 individuals, all wearing face diapers, entered the store with crowbars and began smashing and grabbing anything and everything they could get their hands on. And now, even the CDC has basically come out and admitted all of their idiotic mandates essentially didn't do squat. Now, he says, regardless of how it began, it's being used by some people for, quote, nefarious purposes. They come in the store with a mask on, said Ross. You know, they've got a bucket hat, a hoodie, and a mask. You can't even see their eyes. In a lineup, you'd never be able to identify them. So he's come out, folks, and reversed what honestly should have never happened nationwide in the first place. So if you insist on wearing that face diaper, we offer curbside pickup. But if you do, keep it outside.
So is the dam finally starting to break? Well, not quite, but listen to this story, also from Natural News. UK government, it says, has confirmed that nine in every ten COVID deaths over the entire last year have been among, and you knew this, didn't you? We've been leading up to it, but now they're coming right out and at least statistically admitting it. Nine out of ten deaths have been among the fully or triple or maybe quadruple vaccinated. The data's been out there since the 6th of July, but it's still being completely and independently analyzed. They make it as hard as they can to do that. Official figures published by the UK government reveal that the fully and triple vaccinated population has now accounted for over 9 in every 10 so-called COVID-19 deaths in England over the past year. Well, really, it's 91% of all COVID deaths since the beginning of 2022 and 94% of all deaths with COVID-19 since the beginning of April this year. In other words, it's getting worse. But that shouldn't surprise anybody. And by the way, let me say it again. This is only deaths of people that died with the booga booga flu. Not counting those that died from all kinds of other side effects, complications, strokes, myocarditis, pericarditis, heart attacks, blood clots, and you name it, from the Zyklon B injection. Oh yeah, and we don't want to forget this either when it comes to statistical analysis. A car accident caused by somebody having a stroke-poke-induced death on wheels might just kill some unvaccinated people along with them. And what about vaccinated pilots that maybe at least threatened to take out a whole crew and loaded airline full of people, some of whom are probably actually unvaccinated as well? Well, we have this from Robert W. Malone, M.D., and we'll hopefully have more on this over coming days, who in an open letter to all freedom fighters says, I've been asked to disseminate the following among those who may have injuries or have been discriminated against due to the Zyklon B mandates. A major development he begins is breaking, and we can't emphasize the importance of this enough. The meeting was on August 30th, and it involved senior FAA official Bruce McGray, who publicly presented for the first time his sworn declaration and supporting exhibits, they provided links, against that agency for their involvement in the vaccine mandate and the resultant fallout. The presentation, and at this point it's past tense, will be aired via Zoom, and we need as many of our members as possible to join the call. The idea is to present both the complaint and ensure that all members have the information necessary to rescue their lives and, if possible, their careers. If you hold an FAA medical, he says, and fear its loss as a result of the mandated Zyklon B injection and vaccine complications, solutions, hopefully, were presented. And let me reiterate again, folks, as a pilot, why this is such a sticky wicket. Because there are all kinds of pilots that were forced to take the Zyklon B injection, and they did. And now, if they're suffering complications, they probably know their flying career is over. If they're not, but the truth comes out as to how deadly these things are and what the future implications might be, and the FAA was actually to reverse course and do the right thing, well, guess what? Their flying career is also probably over because the FAA medical regulations say do not issue, do not fly. And I hope that will help explain why so many pilots that know now what the regs have always said are saying, gee, I don't know if I want that to come out or not. Honestly, the truly responsible ones will ground themselves and say, hey, I guess my career isn't worth taking a plane load of passengers down to a fiery grave with me. And how many of those do you think you can count on the fingers of both hands? Yeah, folks, no wonder you're not hearing a lot about this, because it's a huge problem. It could, if the truth was actually to come out, literally ground the entire airline industry worldwide. But that's not what worrying me. It's how to do it. These things must be done delicately. Are you hurt? The stare. 
Absolutely, positively, without question, the mandate was a violation of the law, the Constitution, U.S. Federal Aviation Medical Regulations, the Nuremberg Principles, and even basic human decency, not to mention things like any variant you care to name of the Hippocratic Oath. But they did it anyway. They've killed, probably at this point, millions, some of whom are still dead men walking, and destroyed who knows how many careers, including, but not limited to, aviation. And almost everybody involved at this point, pilots and the so-called regulators that failed, as well as their doctors and other liars in a smock, have some kind of massive vested interest in not only covering it up, but CYA and uh, continuing the lie, because the truth is just too incredibly damaging to ever have come out. You think anybody with half a brain is ever going to trust the FAA or any commercial airline that participated in this aviation Russian roulette with your life again? Now, in fairness to good people who are trying to do the right thing here, but having laid out the difficulty involved, I'm going to read some of this letter. Good afternoon, all. It says many of you are aware of our planned meeting for the 30th of August for a presentation by a notable team of heroes trying to salvage our global aviation industry. It names Bruce McGray, senior Federal Aviation Administration official and whistleblower, who will provide testimony about his experiences and efforts to prevent a most certain and looming aviation tragedy. He's joined by flight surgeons Dr. Teresa Long, Dr. Pete Chambers, and U.S. Freedom Flyers President Josh Yoder to discuss ways to screen, identify, and remediate or even repair vaccine injuries that aviation professionals and others may be suffering. Also presenting is Jeffrey Prather, inter alia senior special agent, retired, and Vandersteel, hostess and director of the Zelenko Foundation, and Lieutenant General Thomas McInerney, U.S. Air Force retired, all of whom have battled the apathy, inaction, coercion, and corruption in our various governments in order to stop the killer shot mandates and preserve humanity. And no doubt about it, folks, these are good people, sincere people, trying to do the right thing. But let's continue. We have an opportunity, it says, to identify these pressing issues, help the injured and the unemployed while repairing, and this is the place where I have to raise my eyebrows a bit. No, let's be frank, more than that, a hell of a lot. While repairing the relationships between regulators, law enforcement, aviation professionals, and the flying public. The meeting, it goes on to say, is about solutions that will hopefully save the aviation industry and reestablish working relationships between government and citizens, unquote. And let me put it this way, folks. If somebody has tried to kill you, not once, not twice, but who knows how many times, and they didn't get away with it yet, are you stupid enough to ever, ever turn your back on that person, much less trust them again? I'm going to suggest that a relationship with regulators that want you dead and haven't yet come out and admitted, oh yeah, we were duped beyond any rational belief. We were so stupid we didn't look at the data. We ignored our own regulations. We ignored our oath that we took before God. And we mandated that you take poison. How stupid do you think we are? Why, just how stupid can we be? Please, we're so sorry. People that truly terminally stupid, or more likely that evil, aren't ever, ever worthy of any trust again whatsoever. You don't repair a relationship with Satan in the flesh. They do have a tough hill to climb here. These things must be done delicately. Here's another story, similar in some respects, obviously very different in others, and certainly a lot easier to fix. comes from the Daily Mail, and the headline says, FBI staff, gee, who could have imagined it, folks, have lost confidence in the scumbag lying whoremeister in charge 
yeah, director Chris Ray, and they're calling for him. And gee, what took you so long to step down? Says a lawyer one day after, and we talked about this story earlier, it emerged that the politically biased lying scumbag agent who protected Hunter Biden and did other nasty evil stuff like help cover up the election fraud and help facilitate the Banana Republic style raid on the president's home at Mar-a-Lago has left the bureau. Yeah, says a report, FBI rank and file have lost confidence in the lying, cheating, scumbag head of the snake. Morons. I've got morons on my team. No, they're not on our team. And at best, they're mere morons. So how do we wrap up today? Well, remember, as the truth comes out, the truly evil will double down. Speaking from Pennsylvania on Tuesday, says a report from Hal Turner's radio show, the traitorous CCP marionette-in-chief, masquerading as the senile double-diapered Bidenfuhrer, issued a message to Americans who have figured out that they're being targeted. And here's the clip. And for those brave right-wing Americans who say it's all about keeping America, keeping America's independent and safe, if you want to fight against a country, you need an F-15. You need something a little more than a gun said the Biden Fuhrer to the small crowd, referencing that thing they hate, the Bill of Rights. And I'm not kidding, he added. You're not going to have an F-15. Neither is your military. You're not going to have any guns once we're done with you. Hell, you won't even be able to afford to buy food, much less fill up your car. Have you figured it out yet? Well, if not, stay with us. We'll fill in the rest of the gaps right after this. Welcome back now to the second segment for this evening. I'm your host, Mark Hoff, and I promised we'd connect some more dots, starting with some of the biggest lies ever heard on American soil. I called this first one the Whopper du Jour midweek, but before the flies had even settled on that one, he topped it right in front of Independence Hall. All the better to rub once-free Americans' noses in it. And don't miss the irony in the fact that it comes from a puppet whose string pullers stole an election and are now openly threatening you just for realizing that. After the first speech, Tucker Carlson rightly called it a turning point in American history. Your host, among others, has been talking about the Fourth Reich for a while now, but the Biden Fuhrer this week literally removed all doubt. Oh yeah, and it's certainly a good introduction to the rest of the news today as well. The first whopper comes from a campaign propaganda speech at Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, about why you slaves don't deserve nor need to keep and bear arms anymore, because Big Brother is the only one that's allowed to do that. You have to have integrity like the IRS and FBI. And don't forget, when they make war on you, they've got F-15s and you don't. So here's the clip. Brace yourself. It comes hard and fast and uh, doesn't get any better if you listen to it twice. Do you realize the bullet out of an AR-15 travels five times as rapidly as a bullet shot out of any other gun. Did you realize that the lies that come out of this idiot's mouth are five times as stupid as anything ever said before by anybody pretending to be president? 
And can you believe the people pushing this crap and not even batting an eye at this? Dare to want to fact check you? But on Thursday, the most cynical, unelected traitor ever to occupy the Oval Orifice topped that with a speech that even the leftist Daily Mail said, and this is in their headline, folks, doubles down on the hatred, yeah, they hate MAGA and anything associated with the Bill of Rights and Rule of Law, while he claimed that anybody who supports Trump is not just a domestic terrorist or white supremacist anymore, but are so extreme that they, quote, threaten the very foundations of our republic, as if now he's discovered that new word. This may have been the most evil speech ever delivered in American history. And again, right in front of the place where America began, Independence Hall in Philadelphia, the Biden Fuhrer did his satanic damnedest to end it. The brief summary here is that the whole speech literally calls evil good and good evil. They're the ones that hate the republic, are trying to destroy the Constitution. And ultimately, let's be honest, at least for once, they're the ones that he just declared war on. And this one is so bad, folks, I'm just going to let it sit there and stink for as long as I think we can stand it anyway. And I believe it's my duty, my duty to love with you, to tell the truth, no matter how difficult, no matter how painful. And here, in my view, is what is true. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. They refuse to accept the results of a free election. And they're working right now, as I speak, in state after state, to give power to decide elections in America to partisans and cronies, empowering election deniers to undermine democracy itself. Oh, I will ask, did you catch the projection there? Everything that we're really doing, we're going to blame on you. And if you don't like it, after we take your guns anyway, we might just kill you. We've proven we can destroy our political enemies. Hell, we raided the house of an ex-president based on a scam. Almost certainly, folks, to try to recover evidence of exactly how evil they were. And on the same night this speech was going on, Trump loyalist Steve Bannon was swatted for the second time this summer. There's a message for you. He followed that up with this set of whoppers. And no, I'm not going to refrain from comment at this point. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards. No, not backwards, back to when we had a Bill of Rights, to when elections mattered, to when a president actually acted like he cared about the people of the country, even if he really didn't. Backwards to an America where there is no right to choose. You mean like what your children get taught in school? Do you mean like whether or not you have to be injected in order to have a job or go to the store with some immune system destroying mRNA poison? That kind of choice? where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy. Oh, come on. No right to privacy. No right to keep and bear arms, no right to freedom of worship, of assembly. Oh, you get the picture, folks. No rights at all. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. I'll admit it, he just keeps getting more satanic. That may be the biggest set of stinking, feeded, whopping lies ever uttered in any American edifice in our history. The Gateway Pundit pointed out that President Trump, in referring to the remarks, described Biden as having, quote, late-stage dementia, and noted, why would anyone hate the concept of making America great again? Unless, of course, the goal is exactly the opposite. 
They also noted that the hashtag pedo Hitler is trending and pointed out that after the dark and threatening, what they're calling Moloch speech, any number of people pointed out it was a speech given in the style of a dictator, using the words of a dictator, with the demeanor of a dictator. But Darren Beatty, founder of The Revolver, put it this way, appearing with Steve Bannon on The War Room. When it comes to Biden's rhetoric, he said, quote, he doesn't talk that way about any foreign adversary. Show me a clip of Biden using that sort of language against China, against Russia, against Iran, against any of these alleged foreign adversaries. You can't, because his number one enemy is the American people, unquote. Which is why he's willing to do anything, and I think it's now undeniable that means anything, to starve them, to destroy their children, witness the poison poke, to kill them outright, again, uh, witness the poison poke, and then to disarm them so that they can finish the job. And for those brave right-wing Americans who say it's all about keeping America, keeping America's independent and safe, if you want to fight against a country, you need an F-15. You need something a little more than a gun. Wait a minute. If an AR-15 bullet is five times faster than anything an F-15 could fire, somebody's lying. Do you realize the bullet out of an AR-15 travels five times as rapidly as a bullet shot out of any other gun? And I believe it's my duty, my duty to level with you, to tell the truth, no matter how difficult, no matter how painful. So we stole the election. Get over it. You lost. Now we're going to steal your guns. Get over it. You're going to lose. And we intend to kill you. Any questions? Which brings us to one more story on the great deception front today. There was a special election in Alaska to see who would replace Republican Representative Don Young in Congress. Sarah Palin, you might have heard the name, was the odds-on favorite. Especially, you might think, in a year when people seem to have had enough of communist criminality and fraud. But just maybe a message has been telegraphed to all Americans about what to look forward to in the coming rigged fall election season. If you missed the Moloch speech from the Biden viewer, that is. After what are called ranked choice voting and mail-in ballots, there's one we've heard before, were implemented by referendum back in the fateful year of 2020. So, for the first time in 50 years in what's called a solid Republican district in Alaska, a Democrat... Mary Peltola, at least so we're told, has stolen, I'm sorry, uh, won the election. <laughs> yeah, do you believe that? Well, it's a day for it, isn't it? And yes, who could have thought it? Answer, anybody that realized if you don't fix the problem, it just keeps getting worse. You'd have thought this would be obvious, but I guess I need to say it again. You're just not going to outvote criminals. From there, let's move on to what once upon a time would have been the clear, hands-down winner for Whopper of the Week from Communist California. But in the New Reich now, it seems almost whimsical. Where, just a couple of days back, the Communist Chinese Party enclave on the left coast said, We will outlaw any internal combustion engines. You peons will not be able to have cars or trucks mit those either. Oh yeah, that was going to be way out in 2035 anyway, so nobody paid any attention to it. Besides, everybody realizes there won't be any gas, diesel, or electricity by then, so you won't have to worry about it. Remember when people used to say, hey, we should license guns just like we license cars? And furthermore, if they can take your guns away, they can take your cars? Well, here you go. Just days, says Zero Hedge's summary, after phasing out new gas and diesel-powered cars, the PRC says, ooh, we're going to force you to have EVs, but no, you're not going to be allowed to charge those. And uh, we're not waiting until 2035. How about you can't charge them now? 
through next week sometime. <laughs> and maybe longer, but who knows? And even the oh-so-PC Daily Mail sees the idiocy in this one. Their headline says, California goes haywire. Electric car owners are told not to charge their vehicles because, well, it's hot out there. Just days after announcing that 2035 ban on gas-powered cars. They're also being told to set their thermostats to 78 degrees or higher, avoid using large appliances, and turn off the lights. And how's that for an appropriate metaphor? <laughs> and you got to love this. Down in the bullet points, it says, Officials have not said yet how they plan to deal with an overwhelmed power grid. Yeah, and that's an already overwhelmed power grid as more electric vehicles hit the roads and the charging ports. We'll worry about those problems after we've mandated them. Well, okay, says the story, just after 6 p.m. Eastern Time, as Californians began to head home for the day, the California Independent System Operator issued a Level 1 Energy Emergency Alert shortly after tapping all of its available power supplies, those that they hadn't already shut down because of, you know, green communist idiocy. Despite earlier warnings to reduce usage, though, Californians and all their self-righteous virtues, says Tyler Durden, decided to go ahead and charge their EV anyway, pushing system demand well above capacity. Now, there's a certain other irony in here, folks, that your cynical host just has to point out. You know that an EV won't go very far on a charge anyway, but if you run the air conditioner in there, woo, you may not make it home at all. And who in California would have ever thought ahead? Well, period, I guess, but especially that it might get hot. So here's the runner-up for stupid quote of the day. Now, at least this one's not a lie. It may not be the complete truth, but I'll help fill that in in just a second. Said California Fuhrer Gavin Newsom, quote, It's pretty clear Mother Nature has outrun us. The reality is we're living in an age of extremes. Extreme heat. Extreme drought, and yeah, folks, extreme idiocy. And don't forget for a second, these are the people that think they know how to run your life better than you do. And if you don't like it, after they take your guns, they may just kill you. And I do have to ask this again, given what we're seeing here. Do you really think they're ever going to let you have an electric car in the future? Or, for that matter, even if you did, that they'd let you charge it? This next item is a piece from T.L. Davis via his Substack on a subject that yours truly has been thinking about and talking about for at least several weeks now, if not longer, but especially today. How much will Americans put up with? Just how stupid do people have to be to keep believing the lies we're being told? In short, as he puts it, is there some kind of comeuppance in the works? The story is entitled A Sinking Ship, and it says the forces aligning themselves for that, um, well, some form of comeuppance, some form of reckoning, are becoming visible, if not eliminated clearly yet. The FBI, he says, and he's not alone in thinking this, has lost almost all of its cachet, gained largely through propaganda, like the old TV show with Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. The Randy Weaver incident didn't do it, even when it was widely known that Vicki Weaver was shot by an FBI sniper, you know the name, Lon Horiuchi, while holding her baby in the doorway to Weaver's cabin. And the massive inferno at Waco didn't do it either, though both incidents reframed the agency in many people's minds. And by the way, that would include yours truly, folks. The involvement in dope smuggling, along with other federal agencies, didn't do it either. Their roles in covering for the Clinton crime family didn't do it, even right up to the absurd claim by Comey that there was no intent, and since she was too stupid to really be Secretary of State and know that she was mishandling classified material, or even who she was selling it to, there is no crime. 
How does one destroy tens of devices and tens of thousands of pieces of email unintentionally, especially if the FBI is helping you? Their involvement in straw man purchases during Fast and Furious didn't do it. Nothing seemed to touch the FBI until, says T.L. Davis, their raid on Mar-a-Lago. But none of this took place in a vacuum. They've been whittling away at their own once-sterling credibility for decades and decades, or at least so it seems. The question then is, were they ever really what the propaganda suggested? Was the clean, neat appearance and professional demeanor just a way of putting the J. Edgar Hoover era behind them when they were used as thugs to blackmail and threaten civil rights activists and keep tabs on celebrities and politicians for Hoover's operation? Or was that just cover for the operation? Are we seeing a real change in the agency, or have they finally just committed enough crimes being used by enough Democrat politicians as a Stasi police force that their excuses and feigned indignance at having their motives question has finally worn too thin even to provide concealment. He goes on to talk about the questioning by Florida Representative Matt Gates of the head of the National Security Division, sick of the FBI. And it's also the Representative James Cormer of Kentucky announcement that there are dozens of whistleblowers, too, now approaching Congress willing to testify against the Border Patrol, FBI, and other federal agencies. Oh, yeah, and it's the fact that A.G. Merrick Garland, one of the scummiest scumbags in the entire swamp, folks, felt the need to issue the demand that agents not talk to Congress himself violating the Whistleblower Protection Act of 1989, that seems to be bringing all of this to a head. At issue are the raids, not just against President Donald Trump, but also Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Political adversaries of the Democrats, no doubt, he says, but does that make them also enemies of the Department of Just Us? <laughs> well, if they're looking for the truth, I think that answers itself. Yeah, that's the implication, says T.L. Davis, and the nonstop defense of the Biden crime family, along with child sex traffickers and offenders like those booking passage on the Lolita Express, none of whom have ever been indicted in spite of the now well-known accusations, that kind of helps to bring all of this to a head. It does take a lot to destroy a good reputation, maybe not quite as much to destroy a disgusting one, dating back at least as far as the assassination of a sitting president and the subsequent half-century cover-up, especially in a land where the press has been lying to us for, we're beginning to realize, a lot longer than we thought. It's amazing it's even come out at all. So they had to blow it big time here, I think, to bring this to pass. There are a lot of excuses, says Davis, to go along with it. I was just doing my job. I was only following orders. I'm not going to risk my pension on it. It wasn't me. It must be somebody else. Uh, yeah, it was that president before me. All of this is the fallacy of the good cop theory, because if there actually were good cops, why would there be any bad ones? And that's a great point. Wouldn't the good cops arrest the bad ones? Well, no, folks. There's a thin blue line there, and they're a lot more willing to kill an innocent civilian than allow any cop to ever be found guilty of anything, it would seem. Have you watched any TV shows lately? You can kill all the civilians you want, but if you dare to think you could kill a cop, woo, TV will tell you what you're going to deserve. And hint, you're not going to live to the end of the episode. Was the raid on Mar-a-Lago, says Davis, the straw that finally broke the camels or the FBI's back? Did it turn bad cops into whistleblowers to get ahead of the midterm elections that will likely, if not outright stolen at least, put Republicans back in charge of oversight of these criminal agencies, and that when you raid the houses of U.S. representatives that are likely to head some of those committees and investigations, 
does it finally dawn on some of the rank and file that their actions just might be called what they are, treason, or at least criminal harassment, blackmail, or, yeah, yeah, let's call it what it is, terrorism. I don't know about you, says Davis, but an early morning raid by black-clad, gun-slinging feds does sound like terrorism to me. If they don't have the goods, they don't have probable or even sufficient cause, or much less an ongoing investigation. Now, they have the word investigation in their name, but we know they haven't actually investigated real crime. Uh, instigation is more like it for quite a while. Just checking to see that you're not violating some obscure law here or there. Well, at the very least, says Davis, what we're talking about is intimidation. The next question is, for what purpose? Why would the average FBI agent take part in something where there's only a slight wink, wink, nudge, nudge justification? And how would they feel about it if forced to take up that role as a political intimidation squad? I mean, the cat's pretty well out of the bag by now. Are the whistleblowers actually trying to do the right thing? Or are they just trying to get out ahead of the witch hunt? Because all of those excuses listed above don't work if we still lived in a real rule of law society. And he's right. The rule of law has been dead for some time. It's so far gone now that even a Merrick Garland, who kind of makes me long for Don Corleone as an honest guy by comparison, can get away with not even pretending that the law means squat anymore. Well, says T.L. Davis, let's not get too excited here because there were, remember, whistleblowers during Fast and Furious. Nothing came of that. Eric Holder was actually held in criminal contempt of Congress. And not only didn't he suffer for it, he got a really great cushy follow-on bribe or uh, position. Hey, I just heard this the other day. Anybody know what happened to the evil, crooked FBI, CIA, who knows, double agent, scumbag Peter Strzok ended up? After being publicly exposed and supposedly humiliated, but I don't think he has any shame for what he is. Answer, he got the usual book bribe, or a deal, and then a gig with MSNBC, which clearly has no shame either. But on the other hand, if you're a Steve Bannon or a Peter Navarro or Roger Stone, you know, anybody that's not exactly far left, the raid might not only be ugly, it'll be live on CNN. The word double standard certainly seems to have lost any meaning, but at least, says T.L. Davis, there are other instances of crack showing up in the communist globalist armor, in that now the CDC has had to own up to botching, to put it mildly, the reaction to the COVID-1984 pandemic, i.e. they lied, they falsified data, they gave not only harmful but downright deadly advice, they allowed thousands of people to die instead of taking logical and well-known cures in the form of hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and others. Burks admitted to padding statistics to scare the public into blind, masked obedience. The most evil man on the planet, Tony Fauci, has now distanced himself from the very recommendations he made. Hey, who's surprised by that? And the use of his uh, influence to encourage enforcement at all costs of ridiculous and contradictory mandates, and some of those mandates still remain in effect, even though they've been obliterated by truth, facts, and actual science. The vaccine, says Davis, is now recognized as far more harmful to men under 40 than COVID itself, and that's been long known and professed on this blog, he says, and others. In fact, so many people, including this fellow, your host, and who knows how many others, have warned that the poison poke, the Zyklon B, is what it is, as he puts it, a death jab. Even the very idea that one has to wait for the Center for Death and Control to confess before doing what's reasonable, logical, and obvious and refusing to be a guinea pig for an experimental gene mod for which the manufacturer has no liability whatsoever, is clearly insane. 
So the bottom line is that the communist, globalist, green, environmental, fascist, anti-reality ship might not be sinking, but at the very least, it's taken on a lot of water. The lies can't be issued fast enough to keep it afloat. And even while there are still millions infected by the desire to remain enslaved, the Stockholm Syndrome of Socialist Winter is coming. And hell's coming along with it. Pervasive government corruption across the entire Western world is now at a critical point, says T.L. Davis, where they either have to impose enhanced draconian lockdowns, and along with it, martial law, whether they call it that outright this time or not, your host hastens to add, or... They face violent revolution, and obviously they're planning on that, and they're intending to put it down with extreme prejudice. In America, he says, we might be witnessing the absolute collapse of a 100 years of communist expansion, even though they called it progressive a 100 years ago. The left overplayed its hand, nearly got there. They were on the tipping point. But if the trend continues and any one thing is even reversed, if justice prevails in even one of the major issues of the day, like, for example, the FBI is exposed as being used against political rivals or the Poison Zyklon B poke, a.k.a. death jab, is validated as being even remotely as harmful as it actually is. Or if someone somewhere is actually prosecuted, the whole push might just fall flat. The rats might abandon the ship to save themselves or to try to save themselves. Because turning state's evidence, I guess, beats hanging from the end of a rope until you are, you know what, you know what, you know what. All of this doesn't relieve any of the injustices that occurred before the pandemic, before the stolen election, before there was Randy Weaver and Waco. But still, momentum toward correction can go a long way if it's pushed hard to get to the roots of all of it. Maybe. But maybe they'll instigate a civil war to save themselves, sensing, he says, as I do, that they're losing on a number of fronts. At least, maybe it'll all end up being out there. People will know what they're fighting for and who is and who is not on their side. And honestly, folks, I'd say that's a fairly optimistic way to put it. I do tend to think what they're going to do is double down. Okay, quintuple down at this point. After all, they've already more than demonstrated they're perfectly willing to kill not just a few reporters and whistleblowers, but hundreds of millions of people. So why not? Concludes T.L. Davis, I'm constantly intrigued by the sight of group insanity. Just what does it take, he wonders, what finally must be suffered before the darkness in that vacant stare of obedience is replaced by even an inkling of inquisitive light? So like I said, folks, that's a question I've been pondering for quite a while. What's it going to take for people that basically have been clueless for so long to wake up? Or will they? Will they ever figure it out? Honestly, I tend to think that the lesson of Scripture is most won't. Only a remnant will ever see it. Many will die shaking their fist at God. But the key, the real key, is to understand that the Bible uses a particular word to describe those who do make it. Overcomers. Which certainly sounds like there's a choice to be made. 